I know you've heard me say this. You've heard me say that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot lose that salvation. You know that. You've heard me say that if you're like the prodigal, and maybe you've been a long ways away from God, that you can come right back to him and come back into his presence just as you have, you know, in his manifest presence like you were when you got saved. You've heard me say this. You've heard me say that you can have forgiveness for all of the things that you have ever done. You've heard me say that. So let me ask you this. Why not just go ahead and sin knowing that you're going to get forgiveness anyway? Why not say, you know what, I tell you what I'm going to do. I've got this thing that I want to do, and you know, maybe it's an unethical thing, maybe it's even an illegal thing, and it's certainly not an, it's not a, it's an immoral thing. It is an immoral thing. And you say, but I'll do it, and then I'll just ask for forgiveness later. What's wrong with that? I mean, if you believe what I told you before, what makes that wrong now? I think that's a question that that Peter had to answer as well. And when we find in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants. Now, here's our situation, folks. I'm going to go back to the very beginning so you can understand this. What are we free from? We are free from the bondage of sin. That's the very first thing you need to recognize here. Now, we need to understand what that actually means. Now, here's the way it goes. We were created in God's image. True? That's what the Bible says. We're created in God's image. We were not created in his physical image or we'd all look alike, right? There is a television evangelist who I heard him say one time, he says, I think God is about 5'10 and his hands are about my size. You know, I'm going, we don't look like you, buddy. Why would you think that we're all created in, in the, the image of God, meaning the physical image? So what does it mean? It means that we are given the characteristics of God. Now, it doesn't make us omnipotent. I'm not talking about that or omniscient or all of those kinds of things. But I'm talking about those characteristics that God has in us. Just like a parent transfers their characteristics over. Do you ever uh, sometimes say, you know, he said that like his dad did? You know, you've heard that from some people. They say the same thing that their dad did. Maybe they just learned it from their dad. or, Or maybe it's just the way that they said it. I had a friend of mine. His dad passed away, well, uh, before he was born. And actually, he was born like three months after his dad was, he was drowned. And my parents said, they knew my, this friend's uh, dad, and he said, he talks just like his dad. And I don't mean just he had the characteristics of the sound of his voice. He said, those are the kinds of things his dad would have said. You see, the thing is, we've got the characteristics of, of God within us. You see, God created us. Uh, God's image created in us, rather, was corrupted when man sinned. See, we were created with the desire for justice, but it's corrupted. We want revenge. We don't want justice. It's corrupted. We were created in the semblance of love, but that's been corrupted. We want love that satisfies us. 
rather than love that gives. We have taken every one of the characteristics that God has and we have corrupted them in, in some way. And that, and that gives us an understanding of what sin is. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, now we need to understand this statement is more than a condemnation. This is a definition of what sin really is. See, the glory of God can be seen in who he is. What are we supposed to be? The image of Christ, or image of God, rather. We're supposed to be the image of God. The glory then should be seen in us. But in reality, when we have corrupted that image, we've fallen short of the glory of God. God is who he is. He is who he, how he acts. He doesn't entertain. He doesn't lie. It's not something that he strives to do. That's who he is. And so that when we were created in God's image, we blemish that image of God. When we fall short of that glory, the, the image of God that is within us. You see, I think a lot of people think that all pleasure is wrong. It's not. Or all possessions are wrong. Or all pride is wrong. None of those are true. God created those in us so that we would have those things. But what did we do? We corrupted them. So that we could, we did pleasure outside of God's parameters. We took possessions without thinking in generosity toward other people. We, we had pride in lording over people rather than pride maybe in a good job well done or pride in our, our children or maybe even pride in our country or something like that. You see, what we've done is, is that we've corrupted that image. And so we live under the tyranny of sin without Jesus. You see, we've been set free. You see, the, the flesh cries out and it will not stop until it's fed. The problem isn't that it can't be defeated. The problem is, is that we can't always defeat it. We're all falling short of the glory of God. And, and so when the, the non-believers out there, the non-believers out there, and, and a lot of times a non-believer wants to be moral as well. They want to do the right things. They want to be respected and some of the other things that go on. But what happens with them is, is that they don't have, they're, they're doing it all on their own. They're doing everything that they're doing on their own. And so what, there, there are some factors that keep the non-believer from doing it. I can tell you a few of those factors. One, culture can prevent it. If the culture says that it's wrong, then they don't want to be ashamed of what they've done. And they don't want to do that in order to make it wrong. But when that culture changes, suddenly it's okay. Because you see, even though it's sinful, even though God says don't do it, even though it's a corruption of, of, of his image in them, what they do is they go ahead and do it because the, the culture has changed. Uh, uh, relationships can prevent you in certain kinds of sin. For example, a, a man will be, uh, could be faithful to his wife and a wife faithful to her husband. Not because they're believers, but because uh, that relationship, they don't want to harm that relationship. So they stay in a, uh, in a relatively moral uh, Example of that or way of living in that or maybe even church. Sometimes people go to church and then sometimes they just because their friends are all in church, it keeps them somewhat moral. Uh, but what happens here is that none of these things are going to get you perfectly uh, perfect or protect you. And it's not going to protect the non-believer. The strong force that is likely to keep the believer from falling for sin is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit comes into a person's life at the moment of salvation. And those that will walk by the Spirit will not walk in the flesh. It says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, it is by the Holy Spirit that many people have beaten the control of of alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, cocaine, uh, crack, heroin, all of those things, eating disorders, sexual addictions, and there's others that are out there. They've beaten those kinds of things. Here's what happened. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the great story here. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I have read that scripture in churches before. I don't know if I ever did it here. But I read that scripture and I said, have you ever participated in any of these things that I've got up here? And it says, would you please stand? You know what they did? The whole church stood. The whole church stood. Hey, we're, we're, we, none of us here are perfect. None of us are here perfect. Now, you know what I said? I said, I'm in the right church because now I can fit in. I can fit in because such was I as well. In 2006, Alice Cooper, yes, that Alice Cooper, the Alice Cooper that bit the head off of a bat, you know, at a, at a concert that he's doing. That Alice Cooper who sang Schools Out that we played when I was in college like crazy. That Alice Cooper, he turned away from his crazy rock rebellion because he gave his life to Christ. He said that he's still a rebel, though. This is what he said. He said, drinking beer is easy. Trashing your hotel room is easy, but being a Christian, that's a tough call. That's real rebellion. That's really what he said. Paul himself that we have in the Bible, he would be a story of a, of a man who was going absolutely away from Christ. And he was converted to follow Christ. His whole life has been exchanged. The greatest evidence of salvation is a changed life. Not being baptized or joining a church. Those are important things. But they're not the greatest example. The greatest example is a changed life. So we are free from having to fall into sin. We are also, we are free from sin's condemnation. It says in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, what we want to rush to is, look at that free gift of God. But look, look at that front part there. The wages of sin is death. Since we have all sinned, we have all earned death. People don't go to hell because they've, they've done some certain sin. Do you understand that? 
People don't go to hell because I did this sin, you know, and I'm, I'm in this sinful lifestyle. That's what they're doing. You know, and I'm, I'm, not, not because of a particular sin. They go to hell because they haven't had their sins forgiven. For all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. And so we do sometimes a very poor job of of presenting uh, salvation. You see what we tell people sometimes, you ever heard somebody say this? You will live forever if you come to know Jesus. Well, here's the story, folks. All people will have a resurrection from the dead. Not Not just the righteous, but the unrighteous. The scripture says in John 5, 28... Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You know, I I would love to believe this. It's just not true, but I'd love to believe this. I I wish that, you know, if somebody had, you know, they've done wrong, they never trusted Jesus, never had forgiven, that they would just, they'd get just snuffed out like that. And it would just be over. Do you know that's not what the Bible says? Let's be very honest here. It's not what the Bible says. Bible says damnation is forever. It is forever. Matthew chapter 18, verse 8, it says, If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. It says in Matthew 25, verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal, eternal, eternal fire is obviously prepared for eternity. I don't know if it's like a literal fire. I don't know that. But I realize it's not something that I wanted to experience ever in my life either. It's made as bad as it can be made. Now, I don't know, and I don't know that there will be any clocks in heaven why would we need them but i got a strong suspicion that there'll be clocks in hell and i'm going to tell you what i mean not because i know this for sure certain but when i was a kid we had christmas on christmas morning only we did not have any presents under the tree until christmas morning i mean and they magically appeared somehow you know what i'm talking about And so I remember as a kid so anticipating being able to have those Christmas gifts that were going to be under that tree that I would watch that clock and the clock was like tick, tick, tick. And I watched it. But there was a wonderful thing that happened. My parents had given me a time that I could get up. And at that moment, I guarantee that was the moment that I got up. You know what I think hell will be like? Hell will be watching the clock and never having Christmas morning. That's an eternity that I don't want anybody to have. Our freedom can be a cloak that covers our evil. This is what Peter said here. He said, he said, if I'm forgiven for my sins, can't I just ask for forgiveness tomorrow? I just go ahead and sin? Just ask for forgiveness tomorrow? 
You know, and, and I know that you've heard me say that you can be forgiven of anything. And that is absolutely true. But I'm here to tell you today there are consequences for blatant sin. Those who sin knowingly because they know that they can get forgiveness later have damaged their relationship with God. They've treated forgiveness as a means to sin. That's what they really have done. They're saying, okay, well, I can just go ahead and sin. I'm going to be forgiven anyway. They've forgotten that the forgiveness was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. They are trampling on the death of Jesus, his death on the cross when they do so. When they say, I'm just going to go ahead and sin anyway. Do you realize what I'm talking about here? And do you think that if I were a father and I was going to look at you and you were, you're walking on my son who has given his life for you, that I'm going to have just a great relationship with you? No, it's not going to happen that way. And what will make you repentant after you have sinned and with an expectation of getting forgiven so that you could just sin and ask for forgiveness and sin and ask for forgiveness and keep on. You know, do you think that the prodigal could ask for his inheritance again and again and again and repeat his sinful abandonment of his father? Repentance must accompany the confession of the sin to be forgiven. And you will not lose your salvation. Do you hear me? I'll say this to you. You will not lose your salvation. But you will lose your intimate relationship with the Lord. That is something that is going to happen. And you will lose all the rewards you earned from the good that you have done. Now, I'll give you an example of this. God made a prom- uh, gave the people that, to the promised land. He said, you're going to go into this promised land. He was, they were going for a blessing to the promised land. But they continued to sin, and then they'd go ask for forgiveness. Then they'd sin, and they'd go ask for forgiveness. And God would have destroyed them if it had not been for the, his name being profaned by the Egyptians. And yes, they were people that had enough faith to leave Egypt. They had the faith to do this. But they did not understand that they needed God's presence. You see, what happened was they didn't go into the promised land. They rebelled about it because they thought these guys were too big and, and too powerful for them. And, and then when God came and, and shown his presence there, they said, now we'll go in. And God said, no, I'm not going in with you now. I'm not going to go in there with you right now. And in fact, what did God say to them? He said, there's something that he had prepared for them, right? The promised land. Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, it says, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despised me shall see it. There was something that they had and they lost. Now, it's not salvation. You understand? There was a blessing that they were going to get. And God said, no, you're not going to get it. You see, for some reason, we think we can obey God on our own terms. For some reason, we say, we we can say, well, I'll do this, but not that God. And you see, that's the problem that we have. And we stay at a distance from God. See, delayed obedience is disobedience. Never forget that. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So God removes that which could have been yours. Do you understand? Not your salvation. You got salvation. You got that by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And you've heard me say that even a cup of water will not be forgiven. I mean, will not be forgotten, rather, when you get to heaven. It won't be forgotten, but here's the story. But the reward that you have, that you would have gotten for that cup of water that you gave away will be lost. We receive our rewards after we have been tested. This is what happens in heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's all of us. That's talking about believers here, by the way. All of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Everyone is there to receive their rewards. But their rewards will be, their, their, what they've done in their life will be tested. For in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on uh, the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. You're still going to get saved. You're still going to get saved. Do you understand that? See, the tester in this is that is the idea and the word that they use here for testing is a word that means I want to approve what you've done. But see, it doesn't come up to measure. You don't get it to come up to that place. The salvation is not in question here at all. It says it remains that what they're going to come through it as through the fire. They're going to come through and they're going to get to heaven. Yes. With nothing in reward. That's why Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, But I discipline my body, and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And that word disqualified is the exact same word for the testing that he used in this verse before, except that it has the negative on the front of it. It's not passing the test. Not tested and made to make the test, but but it doesn't doesn't come up to measure. And so he carefully keeps himself under control to keep this from happening. He wants those rewards he's got to have when he gets to heaven. He wants those rewards. And so the person that sinned blatantly because he knows that he will be forgiven is throwing his rewards down the toilet. Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says, And those whom he has predestined, he's also called. And those whom he also he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And what does it mean to be glorified? It is to reveal the character of God as he truly is. It is being changed into his likeness again. And it is to receive the rewards that God has kept for us. In the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church started selling indulgences. Indulgences went like this. If there was a particular sin you wanted to be forgiven from, you could give the Catholic Church a certain amount of money and the priest would say you're forgiven. This was the story. It's a a fact. It's happened. They were building their cathedrals with this money. They needed to raise a lot of money and they said, I got an idea. What we can do is, if that person wants to have an affair, well, it's just going to cost them a whole lot of money. They can buy it off. And once they bought it off, they're good. They're good for it. 
But instead, here's what Peter has told us. We are to live as slaves to God. They translated that as servants, but that's not the word that is there. Diakonos is the word for servant. Doulos is the word for slave. And they use the word slave, and that word slave has a bad taste today. And I will say, chattel slavery is always evil, whether anyone says it is or not. But this is not chattel slavery that we're talking about here. See, we are not forced into slavery to God. We are not forced into this. We must make this choice. Then the choice is not going to affect your salvation, understand this, but it will affect your rewards. Here's where they got this. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 12, it says, If you, brother, uh, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him uh, go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press. And the Lord your God has blessed you as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. But if he says to you, this is where we are. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household, since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awl and put it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your slave forever. And to your female slave, you shall do the same. Do you see what he's saying here? I live better under your slavery than I do when I'm just running out there on my own. We make this commitment to God. And we say, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. Very few Christians do this. Very few Christians do this. You see, what this means is you won't hold back anything from God. It means that you will have an intimacy with the Lord that can't be surpassed because you have indeed surrendered all. You didn't just sing, I surrender all. You surrendered all to him. Now, I think that there's a lot of people that are going to echo the words that are of Satan in paradise lost. And it is, it is better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. I, I, I think that a lot of people, even that are believers, for a slave bonded to his master in this manner will never claim sovereignty. I'm going to tell you what this means. That means you will do what God tells you to do no matter what. No matter what. And that's rare. Slavery to God in this manner is rare. I ask you a question today. Has it struck in your heart? Is that what you need to do? Pray with me.